I think people should plant a seed and understand that that seed will grow into a tree and become the shade of the world after you're gone. There are people who need to um, recognize that we're all in the same tribe and there's a lot of dangerous footing in our universe now and we need everybody to get on this love train and make life livable, not just for us, but for the ones that are coming on the next train. It's, it's completing that circle. You know, we're here to, um, to prepare for the next generation and to make our generation as fulfilled as possible to be of service to the next generation. We are our brother's keeper. We are stewards and um, we should take it more seriously. There's a word called Sankofa that means you reach back into your history to learn so that you can prepare for a better future. And um, I think the name of that train is Sankofa. <laughs> Let me just call her auntie. And as the birds chirped in the background, and like family, we sat together in her living room. On her walls and a museum-like display, a mix of photographs, recognitions, tribal masks, and musical instruments that symbolically told of her African roots and of her 81 years as a Black American. By no message of hate did she stand, nor was she driven by any political agenda or want for suppression or revenge. In her eyes could be seen a solid and immovable conviction to two most notable and actionable grounds. The value of life and the worth of any black or white man, woman, or child is great. Auntie is just one of those special people. A humble woman who, like many a noble doer, walks with a warmth, peace, and courage as she reaches out to better the world around her. Everybody has a history or her story, uh, in my case. And um, I think that... Um, the important thing about history um, is the lessons that you can learn from history. I have been called a lot of names. Um, I have suffered some things that are um, almost unbelievable. Um, I'll never forget when I was 16, going on my first date, my <clears throat> escort was an American African as I am. And we went to an Italian restaurant and we were dressed nicely. Um, we were both clean cut. He had the money to pay for the dinner. He escorted me properly like a gentleman. We were allowed to sit at the table and we sat and read the menu. We sat and memorized the menu. We sat and put the menu down to rest our eyes, and we were never, ever served. And finally, we got the message that we weren't going to be served, and we got up and left. I never quite forgot that. That was my first date. And I had to say something. I didn't know. I mean, that was before Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and the Kennedys and but I had to say something. So I decided to write a paper on the post-Civil War education of the American Negro so I could get it all in. 
And I was just a writing and a writing and a writing. I was shocking my mother, but I wrote what I felt and I wrote what I knew and I researched and I added that personal, that personal experience and heartbreak and I won some kind of prize. <laughs> we do have a certain amount of power to change the message that history wants us to respect. And since we are a part of history, we can make those changes one way or the other. I think our roles are to be a child's hero. I really feel very strongly about that. How do you become a child's hero? First of all, um, you have to really kind of like yourself and, and let that like, like and love yourself. You can love yourself and not like yourself and vice versa. You have to reach beyond your grasp and develop something that is um, stronger than you at that particular time. Whether it's patience, whether it's tenacity, fortitude, whatever it is, you have to develop that, go beyond your comfort zone. And children are always watching you. You can be some child's hero at some point. There's a way, not always winning a race. There are other things that you have to wear. You have to win respect and attention. Um, I was asked uh, about 15 years ago to be a part of a delegation to the United Nations in Geneva, Switzerland. I said, I'll go on for, 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 I'll go if I can speak for my tribe. They said, sure, sure, sure. They didn't know my tribe were these young people in my hood. That's my tribe. So I consider the homies in the hood a tribe because they have their own language, their own music, their own vernacular, everything. So I wrote this big little thing. I had to write it because it had to be translated in all these different languages. I gave my speech at the United Nations on the indigenous tribes in the hood. And I won the Ralph Bunch Award. <laughs> so I started off with a, with a, a death mask. I had to turn and make a, a life mask, I call it, but like a death mask. And I put the mask on and I represented all the ones who couldn't speak because this is my heart. This is, the hood is my heart, and my heart's in the hood. By no means is Auntie privileged. She actually turns the bulk of her income back to her community, or does she carry any mainstream fame, although she has rubbed elbows with many of the world's leaders. And refreshingly, she asks for no glory in her accomplishments, which are more than enough to cover the walls of her very modest Watts home. Yet, in her bold and quiet way, her voice rings loud in proclaiming the fact that we as humans have right to enjoy the most basic of privileges, to feel safe in honoring our histories, and to be fully recognized for where we came from, who we are, and in doing so, to have fair chance to progress. Not an easy thing to do when the darker side of history, divisive media, bias, fear, and the corrupt attitudes of an evil minority have disgracefully proven that, even though we all bleed the same red blood, Many terrible atrocities upon the black man have been horribly marginalized or exploited. And to be clear, I still own my culture, love the best parts of who I am, as well as take responsibility for that which I must repent. And I'm talking about in all things. Yet, 
in the middle of this war of skin, culture, and origin. I have also been blessed by the love extended me from a long list of black friends, people whom I love, and people I know love the best and worst of me. True and steadfast healers who have never asked me to repent for the past just because of the color of my skin, nor have pointed any poison arrows of privilege towards me, and for certain have not compelled me to shame myself or to denounce my history in any shape or form. The craziness of it all blows my mind. The wars over murky pasts and sins of the few conspiring as they tear people and our country apart. The systemic problems I cannot even begin to address in the timeline of this story. And the instigators who celebrating their accomplishments mock and incite us all. So in my anger, I yell to the sky, hoping the rain of my pain might fall upon anyone who thinks they don't have a few skeletons in their own closet. But I'll listen to the example of Auntie, who in her bold and peaceful countenance and wisdom has the chops to ground us all. And as we listen to her example, shall we all take the correct pledge to the truthfulness of Black Lives Matter, the realization of what the BLM acronym really stands for. For it is not a call to war against the police, nor a demonization of white skin, or even a demand for sacrifice. It is simply a direct and clear ask, the dignity deserving of a most loving people. A worthy cause indeed, and as more and more of us raise our hands in respectful and unshamed solidarity, the true and justified purpose of BLM has roots to blossom, the honey of it reaching out to the world to prove a much grander and universal statement, that being, all lives matter when all accept the fact that black lives matter. So then, it is up to us, the majority of the white and the black, who side by side have the numbers and capacity to write the story of what's to come, for it is that in the sanctuaries of our own hearts and homes, an everlasting work can begin. That as we reach out to hold hands with our human family, that we can drink of healing waters. To compassionately and empathetically pay tribute to the histories of our living brothers and sisters. And as we do, to point away from a most dreadful future that is only sealing the division of us all. As Auntie has so profoundly testified, it is in the hands of you us and we, to look into the core of our better selves as we face the demons that rage us against each other, to do all we can to not get distracted by desire to topple down the segregating walls blocking us, or to shame or marginalize another just because of their given birthright, but instead to re-influence the biases, the prejudices, and the fears that support foundations that are destroying us. No, we don't have to live the same cultures or lifestyles. No, we don't have to agree with each other or carry guilt for where we came from or even who we are. The beauty of it all being the acknowledgement of our differences. And as we extend due credit and recognition for our pasts and the journaling of our mistakes and misconceptions, we're released to the very thing that can bind us all together. That is, if we allow ourselves to drop the barriers that are centuries formed, and as we do, to take full accountability for what we are creating. A cause that if we do our individual part in looking toward what's to come, perhaps we might groom a brave, humble, and forward-thinking generation of young warriors, grounded, smart, and loving changemakers, who as they walk toward a flawed world will have the tools to restitute the sins of the past. And as per us, those fighting the fight in the now, may we all do our part to teach as we listen. <laughs>